0: Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press Journal. I'm Ryan Creil and joining me today are Jamie Jurent, Paul Chalk and Sean Wallace. How are we guys? Hi Ryan. Oh good, thank you. Today we will have our clubs as always to discuss. Feeling very positive for Aberdeen following the week they've just had which was capped off by a 2-1 win against Motherwell at Fair Park. Not a place that they tend to go and do well, so maybe I brought it as a good barometer for how good things are for the Dons at the moment. Ross County, their struggle continues. Inverness, injuries, still at one point this week, they speak to were top of the table. I think they're sitting second just now in the championship, but yes, a, a really devastating injury to Robbie Dees this week, which has kind of, you know, cast a l- bit of a cloud. Over Inverness. It could be said. Cove Rangers. An unlikely goal hero perhaps for them. And their 2-2 draw with high flying air in the championship as well. And we'll have Peterhead Elgin to discuss. Also, but yes, Sean, as always, we'll start with the Dons. Why do I feel so positive about Rangers against Aberdeen this weekend? Is it the same for everyone?
1: Yeah, it's definitely the same for me. I feel very positive ahead of the game.
0: I suppose... It's the two clubs' contrasting fortunes in recent games are probably at the root of it, aren't they? I mean, Rangers, I think booed off twice in a week in domestic games, and then yeah, uh, continued struggles in Europe as well. There's just kind of a there's almost like a a negativity around the Glasgow side at the moment. Whereas the Dons beating Hearts pretty comfortably two nil. Um, Hearts that finished third last season. Of course, the position the Dons at the very least want to finish in this season. The Cup win was pretty comprehensive 4 1 against Park Thistle, taking the Dons back to Hampden for a semi final against Rangers in January. So this weekend's a little bit of a sort of, you know, psychological battle as well. But then, yeah, the Motherwell game, obviously, last season it was uh, <laughs> much reported how poor the Dons tended to be against Motherwell and how much they tended to struggle with Kem Van Veen. But, yeah, I mean, Not a game where there wasn't adversity. They got pegged back to 1-1, but they still found a way to win. It looks like Jim Goodwin has maybe found the answer to the tactical question with the the 3-5-2 and the ability to partner Duke and Majofsky up front. Yeah,
1: I I think Aberdeen going to Ibrox on Saturday could be the perfect storm for the Dons anyway. I mean, you've got a team in Aberdeen that are scoring goals flying high in confidence they're the switch to the 352 they're looking a lot more solid at the back because you've got your three center backs and there's no longer those gaps opening up that were there when when the full backs were moving forward because now you've got the option the wing backs to move up there's not it's not the backs not getting stretched so much and when it's needed to, it can become five at the back with, with the wing-backs. So it's a lot more solid. You've got Mayovsky and Duke up front. I mean, they look like scoring in every game. And you're up against a Rangers side, I mean, they are fragile defensively. They look vulnerable. Their, their confidence will be rock-bottom. I mean, you, you can't divorce their European form from this game with Aberdeen because they're going to be on a low. I mean, they've is it minus nineteen goals or nineteen goals conceded in Europe? I mean, it's just embarrassing for Scottish football. I, I
0: think mean. it's the worst ever um, European campaign in terms Aye. of goals conceded. I believe.
1: Yeah, I think it's the worst for a Scottish club in the group stages in Europe. It's, it's. I mean, it's a shocker. And Aberdeen are going there on a high. I mean, you have got to fancy Aberdeen to exploit the current situation at Ibrox. It's not just that. I mean, Aberdeen. If they can get an early goal, the Rangers fans are notorious for turning on their team when the going gets tough in matches, so that Aberdeen will be looking to go on the front foot, I would imagine, try and get that early goal, silence the crowd, and then it's definitely game on. I, I think Aberdeen can win on Saturday, I'm very confident.
0: They obviously got an early goal against Motherwell at the weekend, four minutes, although there was a an offside that had to be reviewed, I don't know why it had to be reviewed, because Miowski was miles onside, but the finish speaks for itself. Absolutely amazing! That just chips it over Liam Kelly so nonchalantly. Liam Kelly, you know, was standing tall. You know, it wasn't too far away from him. Just excellent technique. But it's technique we've kind of we've we've seen from Miowski this season. I mean, he's clearly an intelligent player. He's clearly talented. He's you know, Duke's kind of the pace, the power, the sort of hard running. Miowski's the one that's you know, got the sort uh, the class about him and everything he does but I thought it it's maybe worth mentioning as well that the impact Conor Barron makes in that first goal I mean Duke obviously plays it in but Conor Barron's kind of got the awareness just to first time sort of side f- th- through perfectly weighted to Majlowski, which I mean creates the chance I suppose
1: what, what I like about Conor, Conor Barron is his, his game intelligence He's he's got such a fantastic game vision and awareness so calm in possession. I mean, you. he plays with a maturity far beyond his years. I mean, he's a real class actor. I don't think it's any coincidence that Aberdeen have won the last three games, the three games since he started after the recovering uh, from coming back from his long-term knee injury. I think with, with Barron in midfield, Aberdeen are just a, a different beast. And I'm really looking forward to seeing his partnership with uh, Ramadani, in midfield I just think that can flourish and it'll be pivotal to how Aberdeen do this season
0: I mean obviously we, it remains to be seen whether Conor Barron signs a new deal with Aberdeen maybe he has to play less well in games yeah uh, for the dawn's too. <laughs> yeah uh, one concern I probably have about this new formation is a lot of the players that were signed in the summer and to the point where we're, sometimes we're going like where does this guy fit in More wingers wide players And in this system, there's kind of less need for a Shaden Morris. You know, you've got Ryan Duncan from the Youth Academy. On the other side of things, you've got Johnny Hayes. I'm not sure if Johnny Hayes is even fit at the moment. You've got Matty Kennedy, you know, players who maybe can play in sort of more central positions occasionally, but probably their best favoured position is, you know, out wide. How How's Jim Goodwin going to keep all of them happy if the 3 is the way forward?
1: It's going to be difficult, but I'm a big fan of if it's not broken, don't fix it. If it was, you know, yeah, it's working, the current system, so these players are just going to have to adapt and try and force their way back into the team. They've also got Callum Roberts, who's due to come back after the World Cup break, perhaps just before it. So it's another player that's going to be pushing to get in. Uh, I mean it's working at the moment so I'd be very very surprised if there's any changes so they're just going to have to fight to get in
0: Good, competition we're told in the football club's what you want by players and managers um, in the past in the present and the future so yeah, let's see what happens with that, let's see what happens with the Dons at Ibrox this weekend very exciting, uh, with a bit of editing magic now we're also going to focus on another Aberdeen game this weekend and Sophie Goodwin's going to give us all the build-up to Aberdeen women's return to Pataudry against Glasgow women on Sunday.
2: It's um, a really important weekend for Aberdeen women on Sunday. They host Glasgow women at Pataudry and it'll be just the second time that Aberdeen women have ever played at the club stadium and it's it's set up to be quite the occasion. Um, It's an opposition that Aberdeen on paper should probably be beating and um, they've played each other three times since the start of the 2020-21 season, uh, twice in when both teams were in SWPL2. Aberdeen won both those games and they played most recently in the Women's Scottish Cup. In January of this year, where Aberdeen won four-two, albeit they did go behind, um, but they did come back through a I think it was a Bailey Hutchison double, um, Francesca Ogilvie and Chloe Gover that scored Aberdeen's goals. But it's not been an ideal start for Aberdeen. So both teams go into this game in search of their first one of the season. So you know the stage is set quite nicely in that. What better place for for the Dons to win their first game of the season at TadG? But I think just playing at Petology, it's a massive occasion in itself. I think the players know that, the club know that, the co-managers know that. It's an opportunity to to kind of unite the support and the people that would go along to the men's game, hopefully go along to the women's games as well. Um, the current attendance record is just under 1,900. Um, hopefully they'll, they'll break that um, because it just means that there's constant You know, when they play there again, there's an opportunity to break the record again, get the crowds getting bigger every single time. And, you know, because the first time that they played at Potaudry, the game ended in a 2-0 defeat to the eventual league champions, Rangers. It means that history could be made on Sunday if Aberdeen were to win. It would be the first time that a women's team has ever won at Potaudry. If they're to score, be the first goals ever scored. It's, you know, somebody could... Etch their name into the history book, being the first Aberdeen woman player to score at Pitodry, and whoever's between the sticks again, it's probably a very good opportunity to get your first clean uh, to get the first clean sheet at Pitodry. Considering I think Glasgow Women have the worst defence of the season. I think their goal difference is minus forty-five, so it's. Um, it's set the stage is set for quite an exciting weekend for aberdeen women um in that it could be a record breaking day fan wise just playing at Pitage there'll be a lot of fanfare a lot of excitement, hopefully amongst you know regular Aberdeen fans who make the journeys out to Cove, getting to go to Petage, some new fans going along for the players, but also its a really important just even if this game was at Cove it would be a really important game for them to get you know three points on the board there's a bit of a gap building now between the bottom two which is Aberdeen and Glasgow women and the rest so yeah they need to they need to kickstart their season and I, I do think what better place to do it than, than Epitodri on Sunday
0: OK thanks Sophie for that we'll take a short break now and next up we'll go north for Ross County and Inverness chat with Paul Chalk Paul hearts this weekend in Dingwall for Ross County feels very much to me with Ross County, speaking to Duncan Shearer about this earlier this week on Monday, like there's a sort of groundhog day every week when you look back on County's game and then you're previewing the next weekend's game. It's kind of like, you know, defensive, now certainly moments of defensive fragility and just like you just can't get the ball, can't get the ball in the net, can't score goals. And losing to Killey last weekend, that's a team in and around them. In a month where I think they also, uh, failed to beat Dundee United, failed to beat Motherwell, other teams in the bottom six, which isn't, isn't a good sign. And I know you could say, well, similar signs last season that turned out okay. And Malky Mackay's talked about that, like keeping the faith again this week. But yeah, we just, I think we expected more from County this season, didn't we?
3: I think we did. And there was a lot of, um, you know, expectancy after Ross County finished sixth last year, and you know they just said that wee dip at the end of the season. But in some respects, once they get the job done and got over the line at Pitodry, uh, you know they they'd far exceeded anyone's expectations. And there's a, a new group of players, a high turnover of players, but there was excitement about the nature of the, the, the players that they'd brought in, exciting flair players that we thought could fill the the gap of the the likes of them. Um, Charles Cook and and Humboldt, who obviously were the two kind of star men up top for the Staggies last season and uh, you're right Ryan you look at those last two fixtures you know they drew a Dundee United team that you know United get that amazing win at, um, at home to Aberdeen and suddenly that lifted them which was the worst thing possible because they came up with their tails up to to Dingwall and get a draw um on the back of that and it, that was a match that could have gone either way and then they followed it up Uh, County um, at the weekend by losing at Rugby Park. Uh, The only plus point recently was they they responded to that 5 0 hammering by Motherwell by going to Livingston, which is a difficult venue. A lot of teams struggle at uh, Almondvale and they they got the win there, which kind of at least keeps them in touch. They're not cut adrift and speaking to. Andy Skinner, who obviously covers County most weeks, yesterday and he was, he was saying that it's it really is vital now with four games to go before the World Cup that County are not cut adrift. They're, they're there with Dundee United and Kilmarnock at the foot of the table and they've got Hearts, as you say, this Sunday. Uh, ending, well, back-to-back home games now. Hearts and St Mirren. Um, the good thing about the, the Hearts fixtures, it seems to bring the the best out in Ross County. They they, they really have a real go. There is there's no fear when they play the the Jambo's. You know they've gone toe to toe and got a few good you know certainly draws with them over the past few seasons. And um, we'll see um, you know on Thursday night, of course Hearts are in European action um, as well. So we'll see they, they could be in a. A, a quite tough uh, test in that one. So for, from a county point of view, though, by hook or by crook, doesn't matter the performance, doesn't matter how it, it's, it's uh, achieved. But um, I, I think you're looking at if they can get maybe four points from Hearts and St Mirren um, before they they play Hibs and Celtic. You know, we, we don't know about Hibs; they're hot and cold at the moment. You know, you never know what you're going to get. And then Celtic is the last game before the World Cup, so it's, it's really these back to back games in Dingwall, St with Hearts, and Sunday are, are crucial.
0: Obviously, County's injury list seems to be building a little bit at the moment, which will be a blow going into that Hearts game. They've already lost, I think, Ben Puddington to, I believe it's an ankle injury for the left-back. Um, he was a big player in the early games this season, certainly. One of the signings, it was looking good. And then they've ro- lost Ross Callahan this week to Hamstring injury that he suffered last weekend against Killey and that looks like keeping him out until after the World Cup break. How big a, a blow is losing Callahan at this stage?
3: Well, when you speak to Malky McKay, he's uh, he's pretty much the first name in the, the team sheet. Ross Callahan, the, a, a big physical presence in, in midfield, and um, Malky, I think he was Malky's first signing, in fact, last summer uh, when he arrived at the club, so... Uh, he was the top man that he wanted in. He's been a big performer. Probably from Callaghan's point of view, he would have liked to have scored more goals since arriving from Hamilton, but he plays a key part in that team. The flip side of that, though, is he was replaced early on by uh, Jan Danda, who I know the Staggies fans are, are really excited about and they feel they haven't seen enough of him. He's a different kind of player, a bit of a, a flair player, um, who you know has got a really good uh, pass within him. And you know maybe that just opens the door for county to play a little bit differently there uh, up top and you know open open the door. They've got the the strikers who just are lacking the confidence right now for obvious reasons. But if they can take the lead, you know that we know that there'll be a big despite it being a Sunday, there'll be a big Hearts uh, support coming up to Dingwall. They always do come up in numbers to the Highlands. But if they can, can keep the the Hearts fans quiet by taking taking the lead and, and raise the the roof at their own end and in the jail end and let's you know turn this the, their fortunes a, around. But I think yeah, Dan is a player that really excites people and it, you know that might kind of make up in some regard for Callahan been out. But yeah, Callahan out until uh, after the World Cup and that is is a blow. Uh, there's no doubt about that.
0: There must be something in the water up there in the Highlands. Are you are you feeling okay? Are You feeling any niggles injuries because Inverness as well down in the Championship. At the moment, they've got a, an unbelievable list of injuries now added to you by Robbie days who broke his shin um, in the game last week. I mean, is is this going to be the thing that derails what what had looked like at, for a couple of months had looked like a, a rampant Inverness charge in the championship?
3: Yeah, well, I, b- before we started the, the pod, I just thought I would jot down the players that are out. Robbie Dees with his broken shin last week after having an outstanding game against Wraith Rover, scoring his first goal in nearly two years. Wraith uh, just couldn't, uh, you know, get past him for much of the game. It was a great performance by Big Dees. But uh, we've got Divine, Duffy, Dees, Walsh, uh, McGregor, Allardyce, Dan Mackay, Um, Shane Sutherland and Austin Samuels now all out so uh, nine players missing from a squad that is paper thin and um, I think we noticed in the last transfer how many of those
0: would start uh,
3: Chalky definitely Divine Dees Sutherland McGregor Allardyce would be yeah they would be definite starters I would say and um, you know to have Sutherland and Walsh out all season we've got um The the skipper, Sean Welsh, back. He came off the bench the other day and he will be involved on Friday against Morton it's great having the captain back they do miss his influence and not only in midfield but he can fill in defensively as well which I think might be the way that Billy Dodds will will go with Wallace Duffy out as well you know we've had Zach Delaney at left back do pretty well Max Ram has come in and and filled in pretty well while you know there's um, Matthew Strachan the the young lad who's got a couple of sub appearances um, that we might see from from time to time although Billy Dodds was keen to stress that um, you know the young Guys in the squad are here just because of the the injuries that are ahead of, ahead of time, but they've been impressive nonetheless. So, yeah, um, from from the, this point of view, we saw at the last transfer window, Billy Dodds quite categorically said he'd, he'd no money to play with uh, after the early activity. There's no money there. Uh, I think he'll be speaking to the board between now and January, and, and because you know having guys like D's out. For most of the season now um, It's a big gap to fill All I will say about the championship Is, you know, Ayr played Partick Thistle The other night they went top on goal difference With a 4-2 win You've got Ayr top of the pack on goal difference Callie Thistle can go ahead them ahead of them By beating Morton on Friday But all the way down to Ruth Rovers In 7th position, you're only talking 5 points So As long as Cali Thistle can get through this period And remain in touch um, Get into the new year um, I think you know that will be a job well done.
0: But the, the Morton game is a difficult one because,
3: as I say, Morton can overtake them with a win tomorrow.
0: Yeah, but it's also a chance, of course, to put some daylight between yourselves and a rival. Indeed. Yeah. Big right.
3: opportunity live on TV.
0: Elsewhere in the Championship, Jamie Cove Rangers, Jerry McDonough, the hero for them in their T2 draw with High Flying Air. He's had a sort of Punctuated start to his Cove Rangers career that be the best way to put it.
4: Yeah, quite, quite probably. Um, I mean, he came in in the, in the summer as Jim McIntyre's first signing, and he played a little bit in the League Cup. Um, but then, kind of once, once kind of more players started to arrive, and once he'd got his kind of preferred system in place, then Jerry kind of found himself on the fringes. Um, he started one game against Queens Park. And broke his wrist, so he came out had to come off at halftime, and that was when Mitch Meginson was already out as well. So that kind of set him back a, f- a few weeks. Um, but he was given the chance on Saturday in a change of system. They went 4-4-2, and I think it's, it was maybe down to the kind of the kind of injuries that they've got elsewhere in the team as well. But they went with two up top um, and matched up a United, and it and it worked. This, there was kind of signs of a an understanding developing there between um, McDonough and Meginson which is something that kind of certainly pleased Jim McIntyre I spoke to, to Jerry himself after kind of after the game and he'd kind of admitted himself it'd obviously not been the start that he would have wanted but there was kind of reasons behind that he didn't feel he was as as fit as he should be um, and he spoke to me a little bit about obviously the kind of needing to lo- he lost a little bit of weight and he's kind of feeling a lot kind of better in himself just now, with uh, with where he's at, um, another manager mentioned that he's obviously he'd come away from a young family to, to a part of the country he's not familiar with. But Jerry said he wasn't kind of particularly looking to use that as an excuse because he made the decision to to come up here. Um, he's undoubtedly someone that gives Cove something different because he's a big physical striker that kind of he likes to he kind of likes the battle with the centre halves. I think we'd not see rumble
0: up the opposition.
4: Abs- absolutely. And it's, it's something maybe Cove haven't had in recent years. They obviously had Rory McAllister, who was a bigger type striker, but he was, I think he, you'd say he was more of a finisher. Um, whereas Jerry he does kind of seem to relish the physical battle with defenders. And early on in his Cove career, we didn't kind of really see much of what he could do, particularly when he's up front by himself. I think when he was working with someone on, on Saturday, I think that's, that's maybe where Cove where kind of see his, his role going forward. It's the classic big man,
0: little man combination up top now for Cove. I mean, it's got to go down as a, a good point, doesn't it, against Ayr, the way they've started the season, leading the league at the moment. Uh, but similar to Inverness, Cove seem to have a chance this weekend to strike a blow to a direct rival. Uh, as, as the table looks at the moment, Hamilton, I think, sitting bottom, good chance for Cove to inch away from danger with a win.
4: I would think so. I mean... The- Cove's home, away form is something that needed addressing. I think it was a good point down at Air last weekend, in what was kind of a pretty kind of blood and thunder chaotic game. Um, Hamilton they would be looking at as something that is a place that they need to go and kind of get get three points. It was a kind of a relatively tight affair when the two played each other up at Cove. Cove had to come from behind twice to to get a point out of that game, but going down there, I think with the form of the two teams or maybe with recent results kind of taken into account, I think Cove need to be going there looking to try and and kind of get a get a win because it's not like it's not going to be straightforward for them this season. We've seen that already. They're not going to be winning as consistently as they were last year. It's not a level playing field this season with them being a part time team. So they've got to kind of take take the positives and take the the kind of gritty results, if you like, where they can just get points on the board to ensure that Ultimately they stay in the division and they've got something to build on for next season.
0: Do you think at this stage, Cove's hierarchy are perhaps thinking next season will we take the full-time plunge? Or does the way this season's gone, if it continues to go the way it's gone, does it necessitate maybe staying part-time? What's Is there any any murmurings?
4: I think the, the initial thought would be to try a hybrid model, which would allow them to keep around some of the kind of the older part-time players that have played a role in getting them through the leagues to where they are at this point and guys that maybe aren't in a position now to go and play full-time football but it would also allow them to attract a pool of younger players and we've kind of seen that this summer with the recruitment and the guys that they've brought in I mean Louis Longstaff's come from kind of full-time football Kieran Dunn has done the same you've got young lads like Evan Towler and Kyle McClelland who are still training full-time during the week um, with their clubs the same as the other lone guys I think Charlie Gilmore and Jack Sanders are still training with full-time during the week with their parent clubs before coming to to play for Cove on a weekend but it would give them that kind of flexibility as well because within the part-time squad there's undoubted quality there and guys that have kind of proven time again that time and time again that they can cut it at um whatever level that step up step up to so um i don't think it'll be a full if it was to be a change next summer i don't think it would be a full everyone's going full time i think it would be a it would be a hybrid model initially and then kind of just see how it see how it develops going forward
0: okay well that's a championship covered then obviously ross county as well Another short break then, and we'll round off this week's pod, as we always do, with Peterhead and Elgin City. Right, I mean, similar to what we was saying with Ross County, it seems like every every time we talk about Peterhead and Elgin at the moment, it's exactly the same theme. Peterhead, maybe performances that have signs of life in them, but they, they got beat again 2-0. At the weekend, um, Alwa, I think it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, but, um, you know, it's <laughs> it's just getting points on the board. They're sitting bottom at the table still. They've got a home game with FC Edinburgh this weekend, a team they've already lost to this season. They lost 2 0 away at uh, FC Edinburgh's mental stadium down the road, um, not too long ago. Is <laughs> do they come out of this one? three points at Balmour this weekend. I mean, they're certainly capable. It's just, but we just aren't, the results just aren't coming,
4: are they? No, and we can't, I know from a Peterhead perspective, they'll probably think the same thing. We can't keep saying that week on week that uh, we're capable of delivering results or it's coming like the proof's ultimately in the pudding and results aren't coming at the minute. And it's, it is hard to see kind of where positives are kinda of come from as far as Peter Head are concerned, it's it's been a very challenging opening month, a few months of the season. They've obviously everyone knows the kind of squad turnover situation, the long term injuries that they've had, but ultimately they still they're still able to get a squad out on the park that the coaching staff feel is good enough to get results. And at the minute it just isn't. And they can't afford to be in a situation where they get cut adrift and where the Canada they are playing kind of catch up to an extreme to an extreme situation because we know how kind of challenging the league is this season with the quality of foot and the number of full-time teams that are in in this league. I mean, it's now ten points between Peterhead at the bottom and eighth place, which would mean kind of guaranteed safety, and that's ten points in October. <laughs> We've still got until the end of April um They've had one win this season, and it was against Kelty. And they might have been in some other games and kind of had some positives to take from some other games. But at the end of the day, results results aren't coming, and I don't kind of want to sound like a prophet, kind of a prophet of doom. But I'm kind of wondering when when this run needs to start because it need. I mean, it probably should have needed to have started yesterday if you're from a, if you're from a Peterhead perspective, but Edinburgh. They've been one of the strongest teams in the league this season. They've been impressive. You can't you can't rule out Peter Head getting any results. They need to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the subject of stats, uh, by October, impressive numbers that have been racked up by October. Uh, Kane Hester, nineteen goals in all competitions by October twenty third. I mean, how many how many goals is Kane Hester going to score this season? Eighty? Uh, he, the, Elgin obviously thumped Camelon 4-0, they were in the Scottish Cup action at the weekend through uh, with no real issues, Hester getting all four goals in that game, I mean, it's like with, with Elgin, as we're kind of, I was kind of alluding to, I mean, it's just the positivity just seems to be non-stop for them this season and I mean they've got a good chance this weekend to... To climb back into solid middle of the park playoff position.
3: Yeah, that's right, Ryan. And I think uh, when you look at Kane Hester's performance, some people would say, "Well, you know, four four goals against Camelon," but as you say, nineteen goals. He also scored four against Annan Athletic in a League Two game just a couple of weeks prior to that. Uh, he's been scoring doubles and singles all over the place to take him to this. And, um, you know, Kane always sets out to score 20 goals a season. And we're not even at Halloween here, and he's got the, the 19. So it's, it's terrific form. He's been boosted by the two year deal that he was given just uh, a couple of months ago by the manager, Gavin Price. I think that's really settled him. He's 27 years old, and uh, I spoke to him just after he got that contract. He, he's based in Forfar uh, work wise. So. Um, Gavin feels that Hester's a player who really could step up to, to full-time football and deliver at an age where it would really have to happen now uh, but work-wise and family-wise that doesn't suit Kane, part-time football suits him and that's great news for Elgin City because they've got a, a player who absolutely loves playing for Gavin Price a player that really enjoys playing for Elgin and as Gavin says quite often I think Elgin are one of the best uh, supported part-time Teams in in the country, you know, when things are going well at Elgin, the the stands will be busier and noisier at Borough Briggs. So uh, it's been a terrific campaign, uh, helped largely, I would say, by Ross Draper coming in. And that's something that Gavin Price has uh, alluded to. Big Ross has come in after being on a loan deal last year. He's uh, slotted into centre half, which really suits him. And uh, they've only lost one game since he arrived and that was a, a game against Forfar a couple of weeks ago. They responded, as you say, by, with the Scottish Cup victory last weekend. And now they're away to East Fife this weekend who um, have got a new manager in charge. Their assistant manager, Greg McDonald, uh, has stepped in to take over um, after uh, Stevie Crawford went to Dundee United. So I think, um, you know, back-to-back away games now, East Fife and, and Rig. this is what really matters for... Um, Elgin, who've been doing the business in, in cup competitions as well. I spoke to Ross Draper this week and he said if if, if Elgin want to be in, taken seriously in in the mix of promotion, they have to be winning games on their own and they were boosted by the fact they, they won at Peterhead so handsomely in, in, in a cup tie, but also a 3-2 win down at um, Stranraer where Hester scored, uh, I think, a couple of goals, but one in particular was, was top notch. So, um, it, you know, while they can keep the door, if they can keep the door shut in any game, if you've got Kane Hester up, up top, you've got a great chance of winning games. And I think, uh, as Draper said, Elgin are very lucky to to have Kane Hester. And the, the I think, um, you know, he looks unstoppable right now, which is great news for City fans.
0: Interested to see what that number gets to by the end of the campaign. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Paul, Sean, and Jamie for joining me. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Ryan Thank no you. Problem. Thanks to Sophie as well, who's. Contribution to this week's podcast has arrived on my mobile phone and should be well, firmly in position earlier in the edit. If you haven't heard it, let me know. Uh, but yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Email any questions or queries to Goal at uk. and enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this weekend. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.